great to be with you. Um, it's been a little while since I've done this, so if there's a little rust, please uh, forgive me. A couple of months ago, uh, Kia and I had lunch with uh, Pastor Todd and Miss Tanya, and um, uh, Pastor Todd said he felt like the Lord just had spoken to him to not allow the the rust on my sword to start to set in, and so it's been about a year since I've spoke. Well, well, not not since I've spoke. Uh, probably a better way uh, to put it is preached. Uh, I didn't go through a, a year of muteness, um, but it's been a little while since I, I've done this. And uh, you know, in an atmosphere like this, I never really take I never take it lightly uh, because this is a very, the very setting where God can change your life. The Bible describes itself as alive, as active, as powerful. It's not a book that was just written thousands of years ago. It is a book that was written that continues to speak today. And, uh, and I believe that whenever the Word of God is presented and whenever our hearts are postured in a way that we want to receive something from God, we will receive something from God regardless of the speaker, regardless of the setting, regardless of what's going, uh, going on. And honestly, I felt during worship, I felt like there was a tremendous amount of hunger in this building tonight. I don't think that uh, you came tonight just to waste time because you didn't have anything else going on on a Wednesday. I, I think that you came here because you needed to hear something from God. And we're going to spend some time in God's Word tonight. And if you have your Bibles, turn to two passages of Scripture. Uh, Luke chapter 19, and verse 1. Luke chapter 19, verse 1. And um, Mark chapter 2 verse 13. Luke chapter 19, verse 1. Mark chapter 2 and verse 13. And uh, we're going to dive in the Word. If you don't have your Bibles, no problem. Doug's going to have it up on the screen for us. Luke chapter 19, verse 1 says, He entered Jericho and was passing through, and there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small of stature. If you're short tonight, God loves you. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked and looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry down, for I must stay at your house today. So we hurried down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And I, if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. Everybody say, this house. And since he is also a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Mark chapter 2 verse 13 says, Then Jesus went out to the lakeshore again and taught the crowds that were coming to him. And as they were walking along, Levi, sitting at the tax collector's booth, he said, Follow me, be my disciple. So Levi got up and followed him. 
Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples uh, and his disciples home as dinner guests, along with many other tax collectors and disreputable sinners. There were many people of this kind were Jesus's followers. But when the teachers of religious law, who were the Pharisees, saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? And Jesus heard this and he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call those not who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Let's pray tonight. Father, right now, we posture ourselves, we posture our hearts in a way to receive from you. Lord, tonight I know that there are people here that came in tonight with all kinds of different things on their mind. Some maybe in financial stress, some with work stress, some with uh, family stress. We're all at different places in life. And Lord, I pray that tonight you would tailor make a message for every single person here tonight. Lord, I pray that those that maybe don't know who you are, that they would come to know you a little bit better. And for those that have known you for quite some time, Lord, I pray that they would come to know you a little bit better. Lord, we acknowledge that all of us are in desperate need of change, that there has never been a Christian that has ever arrived in Christianity, and we need to hear your voice tonight. And so, Lord, we say, speak, Lord, for we are listening to your voice tonight. It's in your wonderful name, Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. I want you to take a moment and think back of some of the greatest people, greatest influencers that you've had in your life. People that you've admired, um, maybe from afar, maybe throughout history. Uh, maybe people that have affected your life directly. Or maybe people that you've admired. Maybe it's a person, maybe it's an organization but think of somebody that you are an organization that you've admired for quite some time and has been kind of a hero or a leader to you. And most of the time you will find that that person or that organization or the person behind the organization is an innovator, is a person that is able to think outside of the box, somebody that is able to see something that the rest of society doesn't see. And and. Current terminology, a lot of people call them trendsetters. There's people that are able to see something, there is a trend, and they're able to get, able to set the trend before the trend hits the masses. And we, we, we see these people, we admire these people, they're, they're, they're outside of the box thinkers, and, and we think back of different people like Alexandra Graham Bell, who, who invented the telephone. Most of the time, we confuse innovators and inventors. Inventors are making something from scratch. Innovators are taking a product or a process and making it better. And, and I admire innovators because they have the ability to see something and make it better. Alexandra Graham Bell did not invent, it, invent communication. The main forms in communication in 1876 was either through letter or telegraph. And Alexandra Graham Bell is credited with create, uh, inventing the telephone, and he took a means of communication, built on it, and made it better. 
We, we think of other people like um, Orville and Wilbur Wright, who in 1903 invented the airplane. They did not invent travel, but they took a process of travel, innovated, thought outside the box, and made it better. Imagine where we would be today without the invention of the airplane. Now, for some of you, airplanes haven't affected you much. Maybe you don't travel much outside of Kankton. But for others of you, it's been an incredible innovation that we can go across the world in a matter of hours. It's, it's incredible. You know, it, it's amazing that from generation to generation, every generation has a particular fondness of whatever device they grew up with listening to music. If you're in 50s or 60s range, uh, records might be particularly fond for you. Um, for those of you that might not be quite as age-challenged, uh, Walkmans might have, been, uh, uh, have a particular fondness uh, to you. My fondness is CD players, is what I grew up on. But all of us have a certain fondness to the device that we grew up listening to music on. And, um, you know, in the days where the personal computer was just kind of beginning to be established, we had moved past the days that a business wouldn't have a whole room uh, dedicated to computers. It was widely popular in your home in, in the mid to early 90s. A guy by the name of Steve Jobs said that he would put a thousand songs in your pocket. How many of you remember that campaign, that slogan, that he would put a thousand songs in your pocket? Uh, he received wide criticism uh, for that. It didn't seem like that was possible. Uh, but he then, in 2002, created something called what? The iPod. And he was able to put a thousand songs in your pocket. He, he didn't invent music, but he thought outside the box and was able to change the form and the way that we do life from 2000 2001 on to today. He was able to break outside of the box. He was able to get outside of the limitations that society thought could be. Tonight, I want to talk to you about breaking out of your box. Breaking out of your box. What is your box? We all have boxes. We all have limitations in our lives. As I was preparing this message, I began to be challenged as the Holy Spirit began to ask me those very questions of what is my box? What are the limitations that I place on God, therefore placing limitations on myself? When we place limitations on God, we then in turn place limitations on ourselves. I don't know about you, but in my life, God has made a habit of messing up my plans. I don't know if it's, maybe some of you, God is getting on board with your plans, and if so, I'd like for you to come and pray for me after the service, because I've never found that. I have always, I've found in my Christian walk that I've been able to sense the Spirit of God about what He's wanting to do, but it has never come in the package that I have wanted or desired for it. It has, God has constantly messed up the system that I wanted Him to operate. And I believe that He does it on purpose. I do. I do. God constantly uses life to get you outside of your comfort zone. 
Because it's human nature to fight for our comfort. It's human nature to find this, create this safe little neighborhood, this boxed little neighborhood where we all feel safe. We feel it's human nature. We all fight for our comfort. And God, if you are submitted to the Holy Spirit, is constantly pushing you out of the box. And tonight I want to spend time talking about breaking out of your box. As we just begin to continue to go, I want you to just, in the next few minutes, just think about it. Ask the Holy Spirit, what is my box? What, what am I, what are the limitations that I'm placing on God that is in turn limiting me? So tonight I want to spend the rest of our time talking about four forms of adhesive that keeps our boxes sealed. Four forms of adhesive that keeps our boxes sealed. Number one, I believe, is religion. Number one, religion. Now, for some of you, that may be a little off-the-wall thought or concept. That it, it, religion isn't not what we're doing here. And, and in fact, I, I would say it's the complete opposite. Jesus did not come on earth to die for a statue, an organization, or, or anything else, or for a building Jesus came on earth to die for people so that he could save people. He's not interested in saving buildings. He's not interested in saving institutions. He's not interested in saving statues. He's interested in people. And religion is actually the complete opposite of God's heart. Religion places limitations. It places boxes on people. And God wants to open that box. Think back into the time of whenever the Ten Commandments were getting ready to be formed. Moses went up on the mountain, and I believe, and if you read that passage, that God wanted everybody to be on the mountain because He invited them to come, but they could not see the face of God because they were terrified. It is this, has been the same from that day on to now. That we as as a whole, with human, as human beings, are more comfortable with laws, with set things, set religion, than we are the face of God. Many of us feel that way. Many of us would rather follow do's and don'ts rather than the heart of God. But the truth is, is that God is truly after your heart. He's not after what you can give. That Everything that we think that He is after is, is flowing out of our heart. We think, well, if I can serve enough, then I will earn my way to God. If I can give enough, then maybe I can earn my way to God. We're always trying to be better, do better, do more, be better. You know, just constantly striving. Maybe not, maybe not all of us, but most of us. And the truth is, is that those are just things that should flow out of our heart as we serve God. I actually believe that whenever we enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, that it brings freedom. Religion brings bondage. It brings restriction. Whenever we come to know Christ, it brings freedom in our lives. Matthew chapter 15 verse 8 says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teach, they, they, 
They worship me in vain. Their teachers, their teachings are but rules taught by man. I, I want to clarify something that tonight that, that I'm not picking on any denomination. That religion is actually no respecter of, don, non, of denominations. There is a form of religion in every denomination if you allow it to set in. We all have, we all have a, something that's inside of us that goes back to that religion. I know I found it in my own life that, that I can get to a place of intimacy with God and then I, I, I begin to make an idol of my relationship with God, if that makes sense to you. Sometimes we have our devotion and we have our quiet time and our prayer time which we then form into a box. And we begin to worship the box rather than what's inside of the box. I'm By no means am I saying don't spend time in prayer, don't spend time in God's Word. Those are actually fundamental things that get us closer to God. But sometimes we take those, those very things, those great things, those godly things, and we form it into a box and we say, God, I will spend an hour in prayer, I'll read this many chapters, I'll do this, and that's how you're going to move in my life. I have found that there are seasons that constantly change. My devotion life has never been the same for three consistent months that I can remember. It is always changing. And it's our fight that we constantly try to, as it's changing, put it back in our box. And I want to challenge you tonight to break out of the box. To see who's inside of the box. His name is Jesus. He is desiring to draw closer to you. You may feel that you're desiring to draw close to God. I want to tell you tonight that He that much more is desiring to draw close to you. That He loves you as an individual. You know, um, one of my favorite scriptures is in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse, Sam, uh, verse uh, 7. It says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance, or his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not look at, at does not for the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Have you ever had somebody completely fool you? Completely, like totally, just I mean, absolutely fool you. I've had it happen to me many times. And it's always devastating whenever you think someone is one thing and they, and they turn out to be totally different. I find that God, when you get closer to God, you'll begin to sense the same heart that is in God that is in you. And you'll begin, God will begin to bring greater discernment in your life and you'll begin to feel that this is the right fit. I think that a lot of times we make poor relational decisions because our heart has gotten away from God. You notice that, I notice it in my life as far as friendship-wise, I always find the friends that I'm close with always get along with my other friends. I remember you know, meeting Pastor Brady. For the first time, 
And one of my friends was like, man, you got to meet this guy, Brady. He's a great guy. You'll totally get along with him. I'm like, okay. I met him and we just hit it off like that. And because our hearts were the same. And I remember thinking the same thing about Brady as I did with my best friend Colby, that man, if Brady could just meet Colby, they would just get along so well. And, and I find that my circles just, they all just get along well because people that are of the like spirit beget like spirits. And a lot of times we jump into wrong relationships and the reason that it's a wrong relationship is because we have the wrong heart. If we allow God to work on our heart, and we are sensitive to that, then God will then place people of the like heart in our lives. Is that making sense to you at all? God is interested in doing a heart transplant in your life spiritually. And, and, it's, and it's constantly, it's so sensitive. Now, have you ever met someone that has had uh, heart surgery? Anybody know people that have had heart surgery? Serious heart surgery or have a serious heart condition. They are so mindful of that condition that they, they, they exercise a certain way, they eat a certain way, they do certain things, they don't do certain things because they know that they have a heart issue. That at any moment, a, a, wrong, a consistency of wrong diet a bad exercise, of bad habits can affect their heart. I would uh, appeal to you that we all have a spiritual heart condition. Every single one of us. That none of us just get a right heart. I used to pray like that, like God would just do a heart transplant. I would never have to deal with my heart again. But I found that the moment of salvation is a heart transplant. But it has the, I have to adjust my spiritual diet. I have to adjust who I hang around with. I have to adjust my lifestyle spiritually because in a moment, that heart condition can get off. In a moment, no matter how strong you, you're going right now, your heart can get off. Your heart can change. You, you've, we've all seen it. Where, where this great man of God, this great woman of God, serving God for so long, heart is just so strong, and then in a moment, they're gone. Spiritually. They're off spiritually. But it doesn't just happen in a moment. In the same way that just eating a cheeseburger does not destroy a person's heart that is weak. It's like a hundred cheeseburgers. But once they get to that moment, then though that accumulation of bad decisions and allowing it of not tending to your heart then has created a massive problem. If you do not pay attention to your spiritual heart and constantly neglect it, you will then have a massive problem on your hands. But the truth is, and the good news that I want to bring you tonight, the good news is that no matter how bad your heart condition is tonight, that it can change. In a moment. In a moment, God can take your heart, He can do surgery on it, and He can completely change what's been going on in your life. If we're just sensitive to what He wants us to do. So, four forms of adhesive that keeps our boxes sealed. Number one, religion. Number two, doubt and unbelief. Doubt and unbelief. 
I, I, I'm just, honestly, I'm just, I'm just sharing with you what God has pointed in my life. These are not points that I, I'm not standing on a pedestal or anything. These are all things that, that the Holy Spirit began to speak to me. Um, I, I constantly find myself, no matter how many times God has proven himself and pulled through for me, going back to that place of doubt and unbelief. Going back to that place of, yeah, he did it last time, but this is this time. Have you found yourself doing that? Where you've seen God move in your life constant times, but you, it's that, but this is this time. I don't know about this time. You know, I, one of my, honestly, one, another favorite passage of scripture of mine, you notice that like every speaker says that. Like, my favorite passage, but they've like given like 10 passages, so it's like, which passage is really your favorite? Just a little side note. One, really, one of my favorite passages of Scripture is Mark chapter 9, verse 23. Jesus responds to this man who, his son is in absolute turmoil. Um, he's, he's, you know, having constant seizures and all this kind of stuff. He says, he says, you know, can you, can you really do this for me? And in uh, chat, verse 23, he says, What do you mean if I can? Jesus asked, Anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. You know, when you read the Bible, a lot has to do with the tone that you read it in. I've read this passage of Scripture several times, but as I was preparing and as I was reading, I always read it in this, in this tone as Jesus is talking to this man. What do you mean if I can? Like he's a little bit irritated. Do you read it in that way? Like, what do you mean if I can? Like kind of insulted, you know? But I felt like the Lord was showing me that that wasn't his tone at all. It was more of an open-ended question or a question that he already knew the answer. Those of you that have kids or deal with kids, you'll notice that you ask them a question that you know the answer to. It's just to try to reveal something to them. Like, you know how things work, but you want to ask them a question to get them to realize how things work. I feel like Jesus said it like this, What do you mean if I can I felt like it was softer. I felt like it came with more compassion of what do you, what do you mean if I can? To get the man to think, yeah, what what yeah, I think he can. And the the way that the man responds to me has just always stuck out. Lord, I do believe. So he's not saying, I don't, I'm not a Christian, I'm not a follower, I don't believe, I don't buy into this stuff. He's not coming out of that place. I think he's coming more out of a place of discouragement that I, I believe. Maybe you find yourself in, in that place tonight. Like, I, I've, I've been believing this for 10 years, and I buy into this whole Christianity thing. I'm here at church every week. I, I, I believe, but there's still a part of me that's, that's growing discouraged and tired through time. And I think that this man who had been dealing with this issue with his son for quite some time, he wasn't re- really the root of his problem wasn't his unbelief. It was his discouragement. Discouragement will take on a form of unbelief. 
Because you get to a place where you're so discouraged, you're so depressed, you don't see hope, that you still are just holding on by a thread of, I believe, but I just don't know anymore. Maybe you're there tonight. Maybe I believe, but I just, I just don't know anymore. The, the way that the man responds to Jesus, to me, is just so eye-opening. It's so honest. Of God, I believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Jesus asked that question to get to the man's heart. Jesus knew exactly where he was at. He knew what was going on inside. Jesus didn't, it was not like Jesus didn't know that he wasn't discouraged, that he was dealing, wasn't dealing with unbelief and all that kind of stuff. He knew. And so he asked him a question to get him to respond and get him to show God his heart. God is trying to get every single one of us to show him our hearts. He already knows what's inside there, but he just wants us to show it. God, I, I believe, but, but help my unbelief. I want to encourage you that maybe if that's some of the things that are keeping your box sealed, to be honest with God, that he's trustworthy, that you can trust him with your heart. Just as Miss Westbrook was sharing, that was such an accurate word. Because maybe you're having a hard time opening up to God because maybe you've opened up to people and you've been betrayed. But God is not a betrayer. God is not a person that will let you down. He's not a person that will fail you. In fact, it is completely against His nature. It is impossible for Him to fail you. As long as you posture yourself in honesty and openness and sincerity towards Him. So, so what keeps our boxes sealed? Number one, religion. Number two, doubt and unbelief. Number three, self-reliance. Self-reliance. You know, if the enemy can't get you to be discouraged and doubting and belief, he will get you to be prideful. He will get you to believe in yourself. And I think that today, that the greatest form of idol worship that is in our land is self. It's self. It's all about, and I don't know, we, a lot of people have talked about that. I'm not going to spend a lot of time, but it's true. We live in an age of Google where information is so readily available that I can find out pretty much anything about anything in just a few minutes. The information age that's out there is so vast, is so incredible, that if I allow myself, I can fall back into that self-reliance where I'm just trusting in myself. Where there's really no need for God in my life, and so there's no way that He can move in my life because I haven't even opened up a spot for Him. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. Catch this right here. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. I want to challenge you with this. That the same thing that God was challenging me in everything that I do, just acknowledge God. He's not asking for you to go and talk to your boss and ask for an hour prayer break to make a decision. He's just asking for inside to acknowledge Him. All of us have incredible, like just pressure decisions to make throughout our days. 
that a lot of times we just kind of make the decision on, on a whim. I know I'm guilty of that, where I'm just responding, I'm just reacting, rather than acknowledging God in everything that's going on in my life and asking Him to help me. Because I know that I don't have all the answers. None of us have all the answers. And and if we don't rely on ourselves, we'll rely on other people. And so, well, I'm not going to lean on myself, I'm going to lean on this guy. And we zap the strength out of that person whenever what God's wanting us to do is not to rely on ourselves, not to rely on other people, but to rely on Him. If we would all get into the place of where, God, I trust you, I'm focusing on you, and I believe that you have the all ultimate wisdom for my life, that you know all the ways that, that are right for me, I acknowledge them, and I acknowledge you, Make my path straight. In the, in the era that we are in, especially with the oil field and with the economy and with jobs and all these types of things, we don't have the luxury of making poor decisions. We don't have that luxury to just react and just make a decision and to fail. Most of us don't, at least. But if we acknowledge God as the people of God, I believe that he, want, that he operates on a completely different economy, a completely different system. And I'm so tired of hearing people talk about the economy. I'm so sick of people, as, as really, and I'm, I'm getting on a rant, and I'll get off in just a second, but I, I'm so tired of Christians talking about it, especially. God wants to do innovative, outside-the-box things in your life if you will just acknowledge Him in all your ways. And every decision that you make, it, you, there are decisions, it's just you are one decision away from blowing it, but the good news is that you are one decision away from success. Just one decision, just one choice, just one moment. And if we will become people that are not just relying on others, not just relying on ourselves, but we are saying, God, I need you in my life and I acknowledge your ways. God, lead me. God, guide me. I want to just uh, just share this quick, quick thought. Self-reliance is spending all of our time, effort, and energy purchasing the best form of packaging you can find without ever bothering to purchase the postage to get that package to its destination. Self-reliance is spending all your time, effort, energy in finding the best form of packaging without ever bothering to find postage to get that package to its destination. When we rely on ourselves instead of God, I am a box capable of delivering incredible things, but I do not have the divine postage to get to the destination. I short-circuit the ability for God to move through me because I'm trusting in myself. Because God says, well, there's no room for me. You've made, you've made it clear that you want to do this, and I can't put my hands what you've decided to put your hands on. If we will just take our hands off, God can break us out of our box. He can do something supernatural in our lives. And finally, so number one, religion. Number two, doubt and unbelief. Number three, self-reliance. And finally, number four, what keeps the adhesive sealing our boxes? Number four, the fear of man. 
the fear of man. Going back to the scripture that we started with and closing with it. In Luke chapter 19 verse 1. Jesus is coming to Jericho. How many of you grew up in church? How many, let me see your hands. How many of you raised in church? A lot of you. Children's church, all, all that kind of stuff. You remember the song about Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was... Uh, one person knows it. I'll spare you the song. Um, but Zacchaeus, it's a great story. It, it captivates us. Zacchaeus is known as one of the most notorious sinners and tax collectors that are out there. Does it bring comfort to you to know that in those days, tax collectors were also despised? It's kind of still hard today. Um, Zacchaeus is just known for just being just rotten. Just a terrible person amongst the community. The people hated them, especially in those days, because tax collectors, as you know, kind of, they had, this is what the government needs, and whatever, for their living, they kind of made up their own percentage. So if the government required 18%, that's what the government has to have, but they need something as well, so they'll be like, I'll take 40%. I'll, I'll take this and I, they'll pocket the rest. So they were really, really hated in those times. The, the box of the modern day was that Jesus was going to come and he was going to come as a governmental leader. He was going to reestablish the government and be more of a political figure than a lowly figure. So the Pharisees were completely caught off guard whenever he came in a manger. And he completely flipped the system that they thought was the box that he would be delivered in. And so the Pharisees and religious people of that day had big problems with Jesus' philosophy and the way that he conducted his ministry. Because he wasn't really hanging out with the Pharisees that much. He was with the tax collectors. He was with the, what they called the sinners. And so the Pharisees wanted to place Jesus inside of a box. Of this is the people that you need to, you really need to minister to really kind of more of the church people. You know, kind of like the people that are here. The clean people, you know, the holy people, the righteous people. Kind of just... You know, put those people to the side. And Jesus said, I, I, that's not why I came. <laughs> that's not why I'm here. I'm not here to save people that think that they're good. I'm here to save people that know that they're not. And Jesus, because he decided not to allow the fear of man to seal his box, he then opened the box to Zacchaeus. And if you notice, Jesus never addresses Zacchaeus. Like he never says, today Zacchaeus, you will be saved. He always referred, in every translation it's referred to, you and your house, you and your home, you and your family. And the truth is, is that whenever I break out of my box of what people will think of the fear of man, then whenever my box has been broken out of, it then opens up the boxes to other people. And it's not just affecting my box now. It's affecting people around me. And so whenever Jesus sees Zacchaeus, he doesn't just see Zacchaeus, he sees a house. He sees a home. He sees a community. He's not just looking for one person because Jesus got outside the box and Zacchaeus got outside the box. His house then got outside of the box. 
Do you see what you see the trend here? Do you see what's going on? Do you see that that's what God wants to do in our very lives today? Today, the same example with with Levi, who then became Matthew. He saw another tax collector and he goes after him. And then he does. He just completely disregards men. You notice, if you read the Gospels, Jesus is constantly just not giving a care about what people are thinking. Especially the religious people. And you could even argue that the only thing that he cared about was maybe ticking them off. I don't know. But he was constantly disregarding what the people of religious law were saying. Because he did not come to create a box. He, create to, he, he came to shatter the box. To get rid of the box. No box. He doesn't want to just open it up. He wants to break it down. You may be wondering what what this box is doing here. Why it's been next to me all service. Anybody saw this U-Haul box and was just blown away by it? Anybody? Anybody was overly impressed with this regular U-Haul box? Probably, I would think not one person has a, a box... Uh, just infatuation. But inside this box is, is my most prized possession that I have. It, it's an autographed Drew Brees football. And it holds great, uh, it's very dear to my heart because it's one of my favorite players of all time. But more than that, it was given to me by one of my all-time favorite people, my grandfather, uh, Gil, who's here. And it meant so much to me because... It, you know, he cares about football, but he knows that I cared about it much more. And he went out of his way to find this football, to get this football, and to give this football to me. What is, what is my point? That inside this box, nobody cares. Inside the box, it's just a box. Outside the box, it's one of my most pride possessions. Nobody cared about the box. You might care about the football. God is interested in not the box. He's interested in what's inside the box. He's interested in your heart. And if you break it open, he wants to get to your heart. Did you answer the question? Did you answer the question, what's my box? What is my box? God, what, what is the sealant that you're wanting to remove from my box? Would you Let's stand and, and close in prayer. You know, this applies to all of us. For some of you, your box might be salvation. That because of people, because uh, of circumstances or whatever it may be, you, you're far from God. And I want to tell you that God is not people. That God is God. And that every single person, including maybe the person that hurt you, needs God including us. You might find yourself being in one of those categories of that's what's keeping my box sealed. You, there might be a category that I didn't mention that the Holy Spirit tapped on you and said, this is your box. What is your box? I, I want to pray for you that I'm not going to do an altar call. We will be up here to pray for you, but I really just want to take just a, just a few moments if you'll give it to me to create a private moment just between you and God. 
I'm not going to embarrass anybody. I'm not going to call anybody up. I just want you to ask that the Holy Spirit one more question. And so if you would, just all across this place, just out of respect to your neighbor and to create a private place for you, would you just close your eyes? Just right now, just take a moment. Just take a deep breath right now. Just relax. Just let every all worry, all anxiety, let everything go right now. And it's just you and God. Ask this question, Holy Spirit, what is my box? Ask Him, what is my box? What is it that I'm, is the limitations that I'm placing on you that is limit, limiting me to getting closer to you? Whatever it is, you don't have to say it out loud, but to yourself, name the box. Right now, just name, if He's showing it to you, name the box to yourself. You don't have to say it out loud. Just, say, just identify the box. And if you've identified the box, I just want you to just, with your eyes closed still, just lift up both hands. Lift up both hands before God right now, no matter what it is. Whatever the box is, if it's salvation, if it's worry, if it's fear, whatever the box is, just raise both hands. Holy Spirit, I pray right now across this building, across this place, that you would reveal whatever the box is in our lives. And I pray right now by the power and authority of Jesus Christ that you would break that box, that you would shatter that box. Lord, we trust in you. We surrender to you. We yield to your Holy Spirit. And Lord, we're not leaning on our own understanding. We're not worshiping the box. We're willing to lay down our box and trust you, God. Holy Spirit, move in every single one of our lives. Touch us. Do what you desire to do. Lord, we're not going to place this type of thing of this is how you have to do. We're done with limiting what you want to do in our lives. We surrender to you. We say your will be done. Lord, you do what you desire to do in our lives right now, here in this moment. In Jesus' name we pray. And every single person said, Amen.